she was a member here for quite a while, and she passed away Tuesday morning from cancer. She was only 65. Sue Caperton. And they will not have a service for her until later. I guess we'll hear about it. Mary Williams, uh, thank you for praying for her. She's gone home with her daughter, Diane, and is still using oxygen some, and Blue Bonnet's going to come in and start helping out with her from tomorrow. She's just trying to get her strength back from pneumonia and COVID. And uh, Brenda Turner also is still recovering from her, her heart surgery. Some of you have taken food to her. Thank you for that. If you ever want to do that, I think I sent you the phone number, and you can just phone her and see what she wants that day. Some days it's chicken, some days it's hamburger, you know. It'd be kind of fun to all phone each other and say, what do you want to eat today, and just bring it over to each other's house. We can start a whole new trend. <laughs> Have a meal train that happens all the time. Uh, then those of you that still want to give gifts, we are still receiving them for the nursing homes. Uh, this Thursday, we're going to be packing the bags, and next Monday, probably, maybe Tuesday, we'll take them to the homes. So before I begin to teach, I want to uh, lead us in prayer for the persecuted church. Don't know how much you're aware of what's happening in Nigeria. They have... They are determined, ISIS and Boko Haram, to wipe out all the Christians. It's a major genocide. And it's not, it's mainly in Nigeria, but it, there's about seven other African nations where they are deciding to get rid of all the Christians. Mozambique is another one of them. And so I know you, you're aware of many needs around, but I thought we would specifically pray for this one today as we pray for the persecuted church. Okay, so let's pray. Lord, we remember our brothers and sisters before you today. And we ask, Lord, would you undertake for them? Would you protect them from the enemy? Would you protect their homes from being burned down? Lord, the thousands that have fled for their lives, Lord, would you take care of them? Would you provide for them? Would you give them peace in the midst of this? Lord, your word says that you deliver us out of affliction. They are in affliction now. And we pray, Lord, you would deliver them out of it, that you would preserve them, you would cover them, uh, that you would be the refuge that they need. Lord, I pray for their faith to rise, for their hope to rise. And I pray, Lord, that there will be a concerted effort of law enforcement to go against ISIS and against Boko Haram, that these terrorists will be taken down. They will be removed from the African continent. Lord, we pray your salvation for Africa. So many have prayed over the years. Even Reinhard Bonk used to say, all Africa shall be saved. And we say that again. We declare it. All Africa will be saved. Africa will be protected. The name of Jesus over Africa. Your salvation there, Lord. We pray. We pray for them. Lord, I also want to pray for the three in Hong Kong, just 24 years old, and all been given prison terms. And I ask, Lord, would you strengthen them? Would you hold them close to yourself? Would you give them the hope and the faith that they need? Would you give them the ability to withstand all torture in Jesus' name? Thank you, Lord. We entrust our family to you. So glad that we can do that, Lord, that it's a, a burden we can cast onto you because it's too great for us to bear. Thank you, Jesus. We pray in your name. Amen.
Amen. Okay, thank you for praying with me. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 4. Seems like a long time ago we were studying Ephesians. It's good to be back there today. I'm going to repeat, read a few of the last verses that Reuben taught out of, starting in verse 4. Going to read down through verse 7 and then begin to teach. So Ephesians 4, starting in 4, he says, There's one body and one spirit. That's why we pray for our persecuted brethren. We are one with them. Just as you were called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. Praise the Lord. Verse 7, but to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. One thing we're going to look at today are the gifts given to us by the Father, by the Son, and by the Holy Spirit. We've all been given gifts, and He's given us all grace to walk in the gifts and to use them to build up the body and to reach out to unbelievers. Some of the gifts are extra, have an anointing upon them to reach the unbelieving community as well. So we're being built together into one body for a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. Go back to Ephesians 2. I want us to reread this. Ephesians 2, 19 to 22 says, Now therefore you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone in whom the whole building being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord in whom you also are being built together for a habitation of God in the spirit. All right. So we're being built together. Part of the building together is that we use the gifts he's given us. Now let's read verse 8. Back to Ephesians 4, verse 8. Therefore, he says, when he ascended on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts to men. Now, let's jump down to verse 11. We're going to go back to 9 and 10 later. Verse 11, he himself, Jesus, gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints, for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. So Jesus gave gifts to the church in the form of people. We call these the fivefold ministry or the five people gifts. And these are the five that are listed in verse 11. He starts out saying he called some believers to be apostles. So the founding apostles that were mentioned in Ephesians 2.20 are different from the ongoing mission of apostles throughout the earth, the earth, sorry, the church age. The New Testament mentions enough additional apostles to show us that this is a continuing ministry in the church. There are still apostles today. They open fields to the gospel, they establish churches, they extend the work of the church, and they oversee larger sections of the body of Christ. And one apostle, actually there, there are two apostles, Reuven and I know very well. One is the Pastor Rago that uh, Mama Tonican works with, Tonican Frost, who speaks to us usually every February from Mozambique, Africa. She and Pastor Rago 
and two other African pastors, they were just Bible students at the time, they got together and they were praying and fasting and the Lord said, I'm sending you to the central part of Mozambique where you two are to establish my church for me. And they went to central Mozambique and they began to evangelize in different villages. In the midst of that, people got saved, they established churches. And now here we are, what, 15 years later, maybe, there's over 700 churches. Over 10,000 Africans have gotten saved through their ministry. They oversee hundreds of orphans. And this ministry, as you know, is called the Mountain of Praise Ministry. There are a lot of pastors involved. Part of what we support is to help them disciple and train pastors in these village churches. And Pastor Rago is an apostle. He is the apostle to the whole Mountain of Praise network. He oversees it all. All the pastors report to him. He trains them and he keeps releasing them further to establish more churches and to reach more areas. And now they've gone beyond Mozambique and they're establishing churches and reaching people for the kingdom of God in Zimbabwe, Zambia, the upper part of South Africa, I think that's all. So about four nations are being impacted by this apostolic ministry. The other apostle that we know very well is named Christo Walters, and he lives in South Africa. He started a international missions from South Africa. He was the leading apostle for that. And he has established churches and ministries in Russia, India, and China hundreds of churches, hundreds of pastors. And he'll take pastors from South Africa and he'll take them to these other countries and he'll just set them free to go evangelize in all different villages and towns and cities. They preach, they lay hands on the sick and they're healed. They establish churches, they pray over churches and it's a work that's continuing. I just got a letter from Christo two days ago. The work is still continuing. Now he's working with the underground church in China. That's his main heart. And he's a little bit over, older than Reuben, about Reuben's age. And he goes in and he will day and night just preach to the underground church. They don't rest because this is their one time to get a lot of ministry. And so he, he's laying down his life for the kingdom, for the gospel. And he is an apostle. He's been a pastor. He's been evangelist. And now he is apostolic. So we still have apostles today. We still need apostles today. Jesus calls some to be prophets. There were prophets in the Old Testament. There are prophets in the New Testament. Peter, James, not James so much, Peter, John, and Paul functioned as prophets when they wrote about the last days in their books. There are still prophets today. They express the heart and intentions of God for the present and for the future. So Jesus calls some to be apostles. He calls some to be prophets. He calls some to be evangelists. And we probably know more about evangelists than about the apostles and prophets. They have a special anointing for preaching the gospel or witnessing in a way that unbelievers just flock to the front to get saved. They often establish new works of ministry. And then we have pastors and teachers that teach the word of God. They protect and nurture and shepherd believers. They care for the spiritual needs of the body of Christ. So these are the fivefold ministry. And um, they are called people gifts. And Jesus gave them to build up the church, establish the church, equip the church to do the work of ministry. They help and guide the family of God in using the other gifts that are given to the body. The Father's given gifts. The Holy Spirit is given gifts. 
and the people gifts that Jesus gives helps administrate the other gifts. So each member of the Godhead distribute gifts to build up the church. I love that, that they, they have so much in common. You know, the Godhead, they, they all love each other. They honor each other. They work together just like we're all supposed to. They are our example. And they all give gifts to the body of Christ. So God the Father gave us life. That's one of his main gifts to us. He gave us his son as our redeemer. But he also gives us motivational gifts which direct us in our basic life purpose. They are inherent tendencies that our creator gifted us with so that he could work his unique workmanship in each one of us. God has wired each one of us with certain motivational gifts. When it says in Ephesians 2.10 that he's given us good gifts to walk in, that's part of the wiring that God has given each one of us. And these are the motivating factors behind how we live and what we do. They're found in Romans 12. So turn there with me. Let's read those gifts. Romans 12. I'm going to read verses 4 through 8. For as we have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function, so we being many are one body in Messiah and individually members of one another. Verse 6, having then gifts differing according to the grace that's given to us, let us use them. Now we start seeing the gifts. If prophecy... Let us prophesy in proportion to our faith. So this gift of prophecy is not primarily predictive. It can be, but it's not primarily predictive. It is more the interpreting or declaring the will and counsel of God when something is happening. And here is an example that we've all just walked through. When the pandemic hit, in March, and there was a, a lockdown, our class was studying Hebrews, and we had just gotten up to Hebrews 12, toward the end of that chapter. And at the end of that chapter, it says that God is going to shake everything that can be shaken, so that what cannot be shaken of his kingdom will stay. It will be established in our lives. And the Lord spoke to us clearly that this is what he's doing. This is one thing that the Spirit of God is doing through this whole lockdown, this whole pandemic, is that he's shaking the body of Christ to get rid of all the things of the flesh, of the devil, of the world, so that his kingdom in us would be more firmly established and we would live that way. We would live unto the Lord. We would die to self, live for him. We'd get rid of compromise. We'd get rid of complacency. This is what the Lord is after. This is the, this is the will of God. And that was an interpreting, a declaring of the, of the will of God in a situation. Many were speaking that way. It wasn't just us, as you know. But in that, we were using that gift of prophecy. We were not predicting the future. We were explaining this is what God is doing right now. And this is what we need to do in the midst of what he's doing. Okay, so let's read on. That's the gift of prophecy in this as a motivational gift. Verse 7, or ministry, let us use, this, use it in our ministry. Now, this is the same word for service. 
So any kind of ministry, any kind of service, the Thomases leading worship up here, my mother playing the piano over here, these are all parts of ministry. This is parts of service. Producing books for the body of Christ, that is a ministry. So that is a motivational gift, the gift of ministry or service. He who teaches in teaching. So, of course, with study and the Holy Spirit's help, teachers make God's truths more clear to them. He who exhorts in exhortation. Exhorting is to comfort, encourage, or strengthen others. It is also to challenge them to holiness. And then there are some that are gifted with giving. They give liberally. They give generously. He who leads with diligence, I'll just mention our lead pastor, John, does not, he's not only called to pastor the fivefold people gifts, he also has a motivational gift of leading. John is a great leader. So if we get to work with him and we see his leadership skills all the time, he is always out front pointing the way. When we have Vision Sunday, the first Sunday of January, we're going to see it again. He's going to lay out the whole year because he is such a leader. He plans well in advance. He's not only a leader in our church, he is one of the three leaders of the pastors of Waco. They get together, they plan, they pray, they get the pastors together, they instruct them, they lead them. He's considered a leader in our city. So he that's one of his motivational gifts. And then the last one, he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. And, you know, I think one of the best examples of someone with a mercy gift is Mary Ann. Man, she's got overflows with a mercy gift. She feels so badly for the marginalized, for the poor, for the Hispanic community, for the persecuted church. This is mercy in display right here. And between these two, we've got ministry gifts, Giving, the gift of giving, the very generous givers, they show mercy. So we have three motivational gifts right here. See, it's often a gift mix. You won't necessarily have just one gift. You may have a gift mix. Another one I'm going to mention is Reuven. Reuven has two primary gifts he functions in. One is exhorting. He exhorts people to holiness. He exhorts them to, re to repentance. He encourages. He comforts. He was given a, an encouraging word to someone on our staff on Tuesday that she was crying all the way through. He has that gift of encouraging, comforting, but he also has a teaching gift, and you've seen that in operation. He studies the word, and he teaches the word with an anointing. So that's part of his gift mix. All right, let's move on down. So what about Jesus? Those are the gifts of the Father, and it's not just we that know the Lord personally. Unbelievers are born with, motiv with motivational gifts. That's why you've got ex outstanding teachers that never know the Lord, but they have a teaching gift. Not in the church necessarily, but in schools and universities. So um, th that's what the Father does. We are born with motivational gifts that go along with how he has wired us to do good deeds throughout our life. So Jesus, the Son, is the giver of eternal life, of course. He gave his life and shed his blood so that we could live forever with him. Those are amazing gifts. But then he also gives us these people gifts to the church that we've already been looking at. And they are to lead and equip the church and make sure that the church uses the gifts of the Father and the gifts of the Holy Spirit. So the pastor guides us as we give, as we exhort, as we teach. 
and so forth, the fivefold, make sure the other gifts are being used. So let's talk about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. So the Father gives the motivational gifts. Jesus gives the people gifts. The Holy Spirit gives supernatural gifts. These are not heightened natural abilities. You may have natural abilities that are heightened because the Spirit of God is in you and upon you. But the supernatural gifts of the Holy Spirit are not heightened abilities. These are gifts that He gives according to His will and according to the need. So if you'll turn with me to 1 Corinthians 12, and I'll just mention that I have a handout to you with all of this on it, because there's no way you could write all this down. And I didn't want to do all this work, and you just forget it when you go home and eat your sandwich. So, this would be memory work for next week. Did you say you had these on a sheet? Yeah. Have we passed that? No. Reuben wisely said, if I give you the sheet in advance, you'll be reading it, not listening to me. So I do have the sheets, and uh, you will get them before this is over. And while we take a minute break, while you look for 1 Corinthians 12, I'll just mention that we have someone here for the first time. This is Fran. Is it Plagens? Plagen? Plagen. Francis Plagen. If you go on a Monday morning, you probably know her in Julie's class. And if you don't, Fran has helped us a lot with getting things together for the nursing homes. And she's a blessing. One of our new Naomi's. Okay, not new in that she's recently widowed. New in that she's joined the Naomi family. Okay, 1 Corinthians 12. We're going to start in verse 4. Now, there are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. You can see the, the unity of all this, right? The unity of all the gifts the Father gives, the unity of the gifts the Son gives, and now the unity of the gifts the Spirit gives. There are differences of ministries, verse 5, but the same Lord and there are diversities of activities, but it's the same God who works all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. So he doesn't give us gifts for ourselves, but to bless others with. And then he begins to speak about them. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit. The word of wisdom is supernatural wisdom to know how to apply knowledge or what to do in a given situation. You know it by the Spirit of God. It's not common sense. And then word of knowledge is the next one by the same Spirit. Word of knowledge is knowing something that naturally you had no way of knowing. And where I find this very helpful is in counseling others. When you have hit a roadblock in your counseling and you say, Holy Spirit, what do I do? What is happening? Where do we go next? And he gives you a clear word of knowledge. She was abused when she was young. He's, he's into pornography. She's part of the witchcraft movement going on. And once you hear from the Spirit of God, you know exactly how to counsel or how to minister otherwise. So that's word of knowledge. Faith is not saving faith. We all have saving faith because we've all gotten saved. This is supernatural faith that God is about to do the impossible. It's when you know that you know that you know that God is going to do something. And in the natural, there's no way that you would know it and no way you would believe it. Okay, gifts of healing. We're now in verse uh, 9, another gifts of healing. So there are multiple gifts of healing. Some people have a healing gift for damaged emotions and hurts of the past. 
Others have a healing gift for mentally ill or physically ill. So there are many different gifts of healing. There are some people that have a special anointing to pray for people with cancer or special anointing to pray for people with bad backs or with crippled legs. So there are different gifts of healing. Verse 10, to another, the working of miracles. And of course, miracles are uh, something that defies the laws of nature. I recently read again the story of Heidi Baker. You know, she has had a mission, still has a mission to orphans in southern Mozambique. That's where Tonakin started. She was her personal assistant for six years. And so Heidi Baker is known worldwide. She speaks in conferences and, and all kinds of things. She's on TV a lot. But she started with orphans, and the Lord just gave her different gifts, healing gifts. She's laid hands on many blind eyes that have opened. Many blind have, have gotten sight again. But in the midst of one of these orphanage things, all the terrorists came against them, and they had to flee for their lives. And they went to another place like 10 miles away, and there was just one house, and all the orphans were trying to fit in, and they had no food, and they, a lot of them were barefoot as they got there. They had only what they were wearing. And she was saying to the Lord, what are we going to feed these kids? And someone in the area that was also a believer brought a little pot of stew for Heidi, her husband, and her two children, not knowing that there were like 60 little African children as well in that crowded little house. And she happily brought this and said, I brought food for you. And Heidi just thought, what am I going to do with this food? <laughs> when we have all these hungry mouths. And the Lord said, just start dishing it up. And she started, and she didn't dish up just a little bit. She filled a bowl and filled a bowl and filled it. She fed all 60 of those kids, all of her family. There was still food left over. And this is modern. This, and even my niece was a part of one of these. She was on a Mexico mission trip, and they didn't have enough food. They had a pot of beans, and they had scads of people, and they kept dishing it up, and they fed everyone with a pot of beans. So God is still doing these things. It's not just in the Bible. These are still gifts for today. So that's the gift of miracles. And then there's a gift of prophecy here too. The Holy Spirit also gives another prophecy. And this gift is a direct message from God that, it, that comforts, exhorts, or edifies. Then there's the gift of discerning of spirits. This is not just discernment, which Hopefully, by God's grace, we all have a measure of discernment and wisdom. But this is the gift of discerning of spirits, where you can discern the presence of God. You can discern the presence of evil spirits, the presence of angels. It's also knowing which spirit is at work in people or situations. And this is important also in a counseling situation when you need to come against oppressive demonic spirits. It's helpful to know their names, to know their working in other names. And we know that by the gift of discerning of spirits. Then there's various kinds of tongues or different kinds of tongues. And these are unknown tongues that are usually, uh, they're either ancient tongues or they're modern tongues, but they're not known to the person who speaks. And it's a gift from God giving a message to the church. This is a public use of a gift. All of these are, are for the body of Christ. This is different from when you have, you're filled with the Holy Spirit to the point where the Holy Spirit within you begins to speak out in another language, a prayer language of the Spirit. 
The gift of tongues is different. This gift right here is when God wants to give a message to the church. And so someone who has this gift of different kinds of tongues will speak out in a tongue and someone else has the following gift, the interpretation of tongues, and that person will speak out the interpretation. Also doesn't know the language, but hears from God. You put those two gifts together and you kind of have the gift of prophecy where someone will just speak out a, a message from God to the church. But tongues interpretation is where two gifts work together. I grew up in a church where this was commonplace. Just about every Sunday, someone in the congregation of about 200 people, someone would, after a season of worship, would speak out in a language that none of us knew, a language of the Spirit. And as soon as that person stopped, someone else, usually across the room, would speak out the interpretation. And God would just say, thus says the Lord. And he'll give us, and it would be a message of exhortation or edification or comfort. And it's always exciting to hear from the voice of God that God still speaks today. One of the times I'll just tell you about that, that really impacted my life was I was by this time an older teenager, probably senior in high school or so. And one of our older friends had gone off to college, had started backsliding and had, was dating an unbeliever. And she had brought him home for the weekend and they were in the service that morning because their parents made them come. Her parents made them come to church that morning. So they were there in the service. And uh, someone spoke out in tongues and someone else gave the interpretation. Right after the service, that young man ran over to the person who spoke out in tongues and said, how do you know that language? That is an ancient language. I'm in grad school. There are only five of us studying that language. It has been dead for years, and yet you spoke it perfectly with perfect grammar and with perfect tense. How did you know that? And she said, I didn't know the language. I just spoke out in tongues. It was a gift of various kinds of tongues. It's a gift of the Holy Spirit, and I, by his prompting, I spoke out in tongues. And he was so shaken, then he ran to the other person that had interpreted and said, how did you know this language? You interpreted exactly what this person said. And I'm only one of five that are studying this ancient language. And she said, I didn't know the language. I just spoke as the Holy Spirit gave me the prophetic word or the interpretative word of what was spoken. Well, that boy ran to the altar, got on his knees, gave his life to Jesus. And that's, what, you know, so the gifts of the Spirit are for the body of Christ, but they're also tools for salvation. Yeah, that, and his girlfriend came back to the Lord too. So um, this is only by the Spirit. It's not anything we can do, you know. But any gift that the Holy Spirit gives, I think we want, right? Why would we say that the living God feels it's important to give these gifts and we say, I don't need it. I don't need that gift. Man, I want all the gifts of the Holy Spirit. That's how I am. I am hungry for everything he has to give. I want it all. I can't have all the motivational gifts. I can't have all the people gifts, but I can have all the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And so can you. And I think we need to start praying for them, believing for them, and walking in them. That's one thing that that we're missing in the body, and part of it's because we're in a large body, and part of it's because we're in a, 
in a denominational body that doesn't always give place for this. But in our small groups, in our home groups, in our CGs, we can see the gifts of the Spirit in operation. And I want to encourage you, step forward and use them. Ask the Lord, give me a prophetic gift. Give me a word to give to somebody, a word of encouragement, a word of, of exhortation. Use me, Lord. Lay hands on the sick and see them get healed. Pray over food and see it get multiplied. All right. So all the gifts given by the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit are in operation today. None of them died out with the early church. They are all in operation today, and we need them all today. How much more in this last season of the church? Okay, we need all the gifts. Okay, let's go back to Ephesians 4. Ephesians 4, now we're going to read verses 8 through 10. Therefore he says, when he ascended on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts to men. This is quoting from Psalm 68. Now this he ascended, what does it mean but that he also first descended into the lower parts of the earth? He who descended is also the one who ascended far above the heavens that he might fill all things. So the account of the Lord's ascension is in Acts 1 verse 9. We're not going to read that. But an ascent implies a descent, as the word just said. So Christ's descent into the lower parts of the earth has been interpreted as a descent into hell or into Sheol or Hades, the realm of the dead. There is no biblical support for the idea that Jesus suffered in hell, only that he descended to Sheol to release the righteous dead into eternal glory. He proclaimed the adequacy of his atonement for sin, and he validated the prophets and their testimonies. And after preaching the gospel in Sheol, the place of the dead, the righteous who died in faith were led by Christ to heaven. So that's how we understand this. So everyone who died before, King David, Abraham, Moses, Job, Aaron, you know, all the righteous dead, where did they go? They went into a resting place, a waiting place for the Messiah to come. They couldn't go to heaven yet because they weren't born again. You know, they, Jesus hadn't died for sin yet. The blood hadn't been shed yet. So they went to a place, the place of the dead or Sheol, uh, not a place of suffering, just a place of waiting. And then after Jesus died, he descended into that place and he preached the gospel. And he declared that his blood was enough and his blood atoned for sin and that he was the Messiah that the prophets had spoken of. And those who believed in him, which I believe was probably all of them, he led captivity captive. That's what verse 8 says. He took the captives from there and he led them back up to heaven to glory. And that's where they are now. People that have gone to heaven have said, and they've come back and they've said, I met David. I met Moses. I talked with Elijah. Man, I believe it. I would love to go visit myself and then come back and tell you everyone I got to talk to. Uh, there was a man that he, he spoke in our church some years ago. He had died, and uh, he spent some time in heaven, and he came back. And uh, our father, my father, had already died by this point. And I said to him after he came to our church, and he shared what it was like being in heaven, who he met, what was going on, what he saw, what he experienced. 
And uh, at the end, I went up to him and I said, did you see my father? He said, oh, yeah, I saw your dad. He knew him. He had preached in our church when dad was alive, too. He said, yeah, I saw him. I said, well, did you talk to him? He said, no, he was talking with a few other people, and I didn't interrupt him. I was with others, and he was over there. You didn't talk to him? You didn't tell him how we're doing? You didn't? Anyway, but he was there. He was there. So people go. They come back. I mean, that's kind of fun. I think if we go, we're not going to want to come back, right? Amen. Jesus is going to say, you want to go back? No, no thanks. I'll just stay right here. So uh, let me see the time. There's time. Let's go to Acts chapter 2. This is a portion of Scripture where Peter was preaching his Pentecostal sermon on the day of Pentecost, and he began to speak about Jesus ascending from the place of Sheol. And so I just to support what I've just been saying, I think it'd be good to read that. So we're going to read Acts 2, 25 through 35. He starts out quoting from Psalm 16, what King David wrote. This was prophetic. David was prophetic. And he says in verse 25, I foresaw the Lord always before my face, for he is at my right hand that I may not be shaken. Therefore, my heart rejoiced and my tongue was glad. Moreover, my flesh will also rest in hope because you will not leave my soul in Hades, nor will you allow your Holy One, that's speaking of Jesus, to see corruption. You've made known to me the ways of life. You will make me full of joy in your presence. So then Peter goes on, he says, Men and brethren, let me speak freely to you of the patriarch David, that he is both dead and buried, and his tomb is with us to this day. Therefore, being a prophet, and knowing that God is sworn with an oath to him that the fruit of his body, remember the Messiah came from his, his line, according to the flesh, he, God, would raise up the Messiah to sit on his throne. So he, David, foreseeing this, spoke concerning the resurrection of the Messiah, that his soul was not left in Hades, nor did his flesh see corruption. This Jesus God has raised up, of which we are all witnesses, and therefore being exalted to the right hand of God and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, speaking of, of the fullness of the Spirit, he poured out this which you now see and hear. For David did not ascend into the heavens, but he says himself, the Lord, that's God, said to my Lord, Jesus, sit at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool. So there we see it again. Jesus descended, Jesus ascended, and he is seated at the right hand of God. All right, let's go back to Ephesians 4. Verse 10 again, he who descended is also the one who ascended far above the heavens that he might fill all things. And he himself gave some to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Verse 12, for the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. So the word equipping is the Greek word katartismos. It means to make fit, 
to prepare, to train, perfect, make fully qualified for service. The word is also used for setting a bone during surgery. So the fivefold ministry, the apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers, are to prepare and train the body to serve. They are to make necessary adjustments in the body so that the church will not be out of joint. They come and align the body. And there are times that local churches do get off on tangents and God will see a, send a prophet to their midst to call them back to be back in line with where they need to be with the word of God. So the people gifts that Jesus gives are not to do all the work of ministry. If they did, they would burn out and God's people would be frustrated because they couldn't use their gifts. Wouldn't it be sad if Joy Inslee couldn't use her gift of teaching? And instead, some pastor of this church did all the teaching. Wouldn't that be sad if we didn't have other ministries functioning? We all are serving. I mean, we have the elite group of the whole church because we are all servants in the body. You have all done multiple areas of service and ministry, and we need to use these gifts. You know, Paul wrote to Timothy, he said, stir up the gift that's in you. Don't let it lie dormant. Stir it up. Use it to build the body and to reach unbelievers. One of the power, power gifts, they call them, is uh, the gifts of the Holy Spirit. They use in many people, I, I never have, but they use them in witnessing to unbelievers. And I, I was reading a book about a man that he, he was going to fly somewhere, and so he said to the Lord, sit me down by someone that I can lead to faith in you. So he sat down in the airplane and this lady next to him, and they chatted a little bit, got to know their names and all that. And he suddenly turned to her and he said, does the name Sam mean anything to you? Man, she just started crying, started crying. She said, that's the man I'm having an affair with. And he was able to lead her into repentance and lead her to salvation in Jesus. And it was by a word of knowledge, the gifts of the Holy Spirit, the word of knowledge. And other gifts that are commonly used is the gift of healing. In fact, my, my nephew, her grandson, uh, he often prays for people for healing. And he was in a restaurant where a lady came in limping badly. And his 13-year-old son said to him, Dad, we should go pray for her for healing. He said, yeah, well, you're right. We should. So they went over there, asked her if they could pray. They laid hands on her and prayed for her. Her leg literally grew out to right there in the restaurant. And God touched her back. God healed her. And then they got to lead her to faith in Jesus. These things are happening today. These are the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And so it's not just for the body. It's also for outside the body to lead people into salvation. All right. Um, so how long will we have the gifts of the Holy Spirit? I think verse 13 tells us, it says, till we all come to the unity of the faith. Well, we're not there yet, so we still need the gifts. Until we all reach the knowledge of the Son of God. That's to know Jesus well and intimately. Until we reach a place of perfection, a perfect man, completeness, in the Son, and until we reach the measure of the fullness of Messiah, the stature and the fullness of Christ. So we're not there yet, so we still need the gifts of the Father, we still need the gifts of the Son, we still need the gifts of the Holy Spirit. 1 Corinthians 14, verse 1, let's look one more. Reuben, if you're, are you ready with that? I'm going to have Reuben play something for you in a minute. So 1 Corinthians 14, verse 1 says, Pursue love. You know, this follows the love chapter. 1 Corinthians 13, we call the love chapter. Verse 4, chapter 14, verse 1, he says, So pursue love. 
But don't stop there. Desire spiritual gifts, but especially that you may prophesy. Do you know the gift of prophecy is the only gift that all three members of the Godhead give? God the Father gives a motivational gift to prophecy. God the Son sets prophets in the body of Christ. And God the Holy Spirit gives a supernatural gift of prophecy. So that shows how important this particular gift is. So he says, desire spiritual gifts. Pray for spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. Can, prophesy. Can you imagine? Let's say, I mean, our church now has over 3,000 people in it. Let's say 2,000 of us. We won't count the kids. 2,000 of us prophesy. Wouldn't that be great? Everyone you walk up to, you hug them and say, hey, I have a word from God for you. The Lord said to tell you this and this. I had a dream about you last night. The Lord is showing me this is what he wants to say to you. If we all operated in the prophetic, wouldn't that be amazing? May it be. Lord, let it be. Let's not walk in a mediocre, compromising walk with God. When we can walk led by the Spirit of God, filled with the Spirit of God, and function in every gift He's called us to walk in. Linda Schreiber is one of our evangelists. Man, she's one of the most evangelistic people I know. Used to go into Walmart, and probably still does, witnesses to everybody, gave me a megaphone so I could witness to everybody. She, she was praying around that Planned Parenthood, do you know Planned Parenthood is now not doing abortions? Our Planned Parenthood in Waco. Ever since March, they have not done surgical abortions, and now they're not even doing the pill abortions. So we're still praying that they'll close. And CareNet has opened up a new office right across the road from them. And every time that happens, when Planned Parenthood and then CareNet opens across or pro-life, 70% of the, of the Planned Parenthood die out. So we're praying that'll happen here too. But man, this woman of God walking around, preaching to people, praying, She's an evangelist. We need to all operate in our gifts. So I have for you, I want you to hear. Remember um, September 26, we were all, many of us were watching uh, The Return. Jonathan Kahn had spearheaded this time of The Return, repenting in Washington, D.C., and thousands of people, some say 100,000, some say 150,000, came for Franklin Graham's prayer time that same day, walking all over that area, and then there was the return that took place, a different part of, of the mall. And most people turned off their TV or computer at dinner time. But there was an afterglow, and we kept it on, and we kept going till 9 or 10 that night with different ones singing, different ones speaking, praying, and Kent Christmas, I'd never heard of him before. He's a pastor from Nashville, Tennessee. He is also an evangelist, and he has a gift of prophecy. He is Pentecostal, and he prophesies in classic Pentecostal style. So if you've been around that, you'll recognize it. And if you haven't been around it, it may be a little bit new to you. But listen, watch the anointing comes on, come on him. He steps up to greet the people, and man, the anointing comes on this guy. And he starts prophesying for five minutes. And so we're going to close with this. Reuben, if you'll start that. And then I'm going to make sure you all get one of these handouts. I think I'll put them over here. So as you leave, please pick up a handout and pick up a devotional or a Christian magazine if you don't have one and a book from the Comers. Okay, thanks, Ruth. By the authority of the Holy Ghost, we take dominion today over the powers of darkness that have ruled over our nation. 
and we command them to be broken in the name of Jesus. For this is the hour of the church, says the Lord, and not the hour of man. And by the end of this year, says God, the greatest outpouring that you've ever seen is going to hit the United States of America. Starting January 20 in this year, hallelujah, God is going to begin to declare that there is a release of an unprecedented move of the Holy Ghost like we've never seen in our lifetime. Thus saith God, I'm coming after the strongholds that have ruled over this nation for decades, and I am pulling them down by the power of the Spirit of God. For the violence that you see in the land and the roaring that you hear over our nation is demon spirits that are crying out because the angels of the Lord have come to silence them for this hour. And just as the world has put a mask on the church, and just as the world has put a muzzle on the people of God, the spirit of intimidation that has risen against the church. I, the Lord thy God, now I'm going to take that spirit and I'm going to put it on the world and the heavens that have been brass, says the Lord, I'm breaking by the power of the Holy Ghost. For four years, saith God, from night to for 2021 through 2024, this is the last final harvest, saith God, that is going to hit this church. No demon will be able to stop the glory of the Lord that's coming. Get ready, says the Lord, for the holiness of God is coming up in this hour. And I, the Lord thy God, will take no backseat to a man. For what I'm getting ready to do, says the Lord, will not be known by personality or name, but it will be known by the power of the Holy Ghost. I'm going to pull down strongholds over this nation. Sports will not recover, though they say they will. Theaters are going to remain empty, saith God. And the church is going to begin to fill up. And the glitter of sin that has drawn the sinner to the world is now going to be tarnished. And I'm going to cause the church, saith the Lord, to rise to her feet. There is a roar of the line of Judah, saith God. I'm going to release divine healing upon the nation. I am also coming after a generation of young people that have never been in church, never known God. I'm going to invade the homosexual community and I'm going to set them free by the power of the Holy Ghost. There is anointing, saith the Lord, that I am releasing over this nation just as the laws have come out of this city in the natural, saith God. So now is there a law being released out of heaven that says my church will not be silent for though I am raising up hallelujah mighty men for the spirit of Jezebel has ruled over this nation for a century but I have raised up an Elijah anointing saith God that's going to break the spirit of Jezebel and there's going to be peace in the land there's going to be silence amongst the liberals saith the Lord and I'm going to put a war in the mouth of my people. Even to the age of young five and six-year-olds, the glory of God is getting ready to come down upon this nation. Give a shout, saith the Lord, for I have not forgotten thee. I will never leave thee. I will never forsake thee. In night 
1906, William Seymour said this, there is another revival coming about a hundred years and if the bloodline is going to cross the color line, hear God today, this is not about color, this is not about culture, this is about the church and God said the church is my body, so today I release healing into you, I release a spirit of boldness upon you, that gum against the spirit, rise up saith God, whatever you bind I'll bind, whatever you loose I'll loose, for greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world, there is a liberty saith the Lord, I am releasing over this land, and it is a harvest of souls, your churches are going to fill up, your children are going to praise the Lord, your bodies are going to be healed, because I declare it, saith God, and it shall be done, saith God. Praise the Lord. Do it, Lord. I think Reuben's going to come up and say a couple of words, and then we'll be dismissed to go worship together. You know what our greatest problem is? Number one, unbelief. Unbelief. That's what prevented the whole nation of God's people from entering the land of promises that they would not believe. They had a choice to believe Caleb and Joshua, but they chose to not believe. And this sin of unbelief, we all have a measure of that in our hearts. It's hard for us to believe. I, I sitting there in the back, I was praying throughout all of Janice sharing, and I sensed that when she talked about our nephew, when he was in the restaurant in Fort Worth, I sensed unbelief was happening all throughout this room. His leg was growing out. Yeah, sure. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. May God deliver us from the evil. Listen, childlike faith, childlike faith is not being open to anything. It's, it is not uh, being, man, I had the word back there. Uh, it's not being gullible. Childlike faith is what is needed among God's people. Only the children. It's the kingdom. The kingdom rule of God belongs to them. So Lord, I want to just pray for childlike faith. Lord, we're the oldest ones in this congregation which means that you expect more out of those who have lived longer because we've been exposed to more. Lord, I pray that you would help each one of us to be childlike even in our older age. That's not to be gullible or to be childish. It's to be childlike, to be believing, to be trusting, Lord, I pray that you would just stretch our faith, that, that it would just push out unbelief in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. 
I pray that we would be genuine believers in an age of unbelief, in an age of ridicule. Even as we heard in Nigeria, they want to kill. They want to stamp out true belief in God. And Lord, it's just a matter of time. In fact, it's already in America to silence the truth. And Lord, we just say that we're here to do your will. We have come to do your will. Fill our house with light and love and faith. In the end, there are three things that last. Faith, hope, and love. And Lord, we pray you would fill us up with these three things that will endure for all eternity. Give us more faith. Lord, build up our hope and increase your love. So I pray your faith, your hope, your love to fill your people to the glory of God expressed in Jesus. Amen. Amen. Have a great week. Tim's over at the table. Okay. Um, as you leave, if you would, um,